The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Good morning, White Sox fans. This is your Sox Machine White Sox Wake Up Call. For Wednesday, May 12, 2021, I'm Josh Nelson. Last night was the first of 16 games the Chicago White Sox and Minnesota Twins will have over the next two months, and it was a continuation of how both teams have been playing as of late. Dylan Cease ran into trouble in the second inning after a clean first inning. After getting ahead on Jorge Polanco on two high fastballs, Cease's third fastball missed the mark as it traveled down the pipe, and Polanco smashed it into the left field seats for a solo home run. Down one to nothing, the mistakes compounded. Trevor Larnock hit a high pop-up in foul territory, but it landed between Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Makata because neither called for it. Larnock would eventually walk when it should have been out number two in the inning. The bases were finally loaded, but Cease was ahead 0-2 when his slider completely missed the mark, hitting the Twins' number nine hitter, giving the Twins another run. Luis Arrays. Hit a sack fly to make it 3-0. Nick Madrigal did make a good throw to Yohan Makata to nail the trailing runner at third base to finally end the inning. But if Makata catches the foul ball, Minnesota's just up 2-0. If Cease had better command, 
the game could have been scoreless. Whatever good feelings the Twins had having a 3 to nothing lead after the top of the second inning, and the disgruntled mood the White Sox had, ended pretty quickly in the bottom half. After Jose Abreu singled and Yerba Mercedes walked, it was Yasmani Grandel's turn. Entering the night 0-for-7, but with 14 walks in May, it was expected of the Minnesota Twins in this series to start challenging Grandal more in the strike zone rather than what other opposing teams have been doing, nibbling around the strike zone. Grandal has only seen pitches in the strike zone 46% of the time before last night. So, Maeda threw a splitter down the middle, and Grandal got the bottom half of the ball, lifting it into left field, and it landed into the bleachers for a three-run homer, his third of the season. The White Sox had a chance to take the lead in that second inning. Andrew Vaughn walked and reached to second base on a fielder's choice. With two outs, Tim Anderson singled to left field, but Luisa Reyes made a great throw to home plate, nailing Vaughn for the final out. The White Sox almost took the lead again in the third inning as Jose Abreu got a hold of a high fastball from Maeda, but Max Kepler did his best Byron Buxton impression in center field, timing his jump perfectly to rob Abreu of a home run. But Abreu would get his revenge in the sixth inning. After Yoan Makata walked, Abreu tagged a Haining slider for his seventh home run of the season, giving the White Sox a 5-3 lead, and that homer sparked the White Sox offense to score three more runs, as Minnesota's bullpen issues might be worse than we originally thought, because Kent Tomeda went five innings pitched, four hits allowed, three earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. The overall line was not very impressive. Maeda did not have a good feel for most of his pitches for the night. He started to get stronger, though, in the fourth and fifth innings against the White Sox. But when manager Rocco Badelli went to his bullpen, the Twins' bullpen last night finished going three innings pitched, seven hits allowed, six runs allowed, two walks, and two strikeouts. That unit is not good. Dylan Cease rebounded and battled his way after the bad second inning to a respectable out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Going five innings pitched, five hits allowed, three earned runs, all in that second inning, two walks, and seven strikeouts. He didn't have a good feel for the slider, 
But once he did get the good feel in his slider, especially in the fourth inning when he struck out the side, it looked pretty good. But that knuckle curveball, man, I'm a big fan of that knuckle curve. And I think it does tunnel and pair nicely with the fastball that when working with Yasmani Grandal, Dylan Cease, as long as he hits the top of the strike zone, uh, looks really efficient as a starter. But there were times that Cease battled with that command as far as his fastball that aiming for the top of the zone he was actually in the lower third so that's something that he'll have to clean up in his next bullpen speaking of the bullpen the white Sox bullpen saw matt foster struggle he allowed two hits and so did cody hoyer and both times manager tony la Russa went to lefties out of the bullpen and garrett crochet and aaron bummer to get out of the jam and both garrett crochet and aaron bummer picked up their fellow relievers and Jose Ruiz closed it out. So together, the bullpen covered four innings last night, allowing just four hits, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. That was the big difference in last night's game, and it might be the big difference in this series. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. The White Sox look to continue their four-game winning streak tonight with Dallas Keuchel on the mound. Keiko is making his eighth start in 2021, and his last outing was his longest at Cincinnati going seven innings on 95 pitches. Keiko has yet to throw 100 pitches in any of his starts this season. Perhaps this is manager Tony LaRusso's way of trying to keep the 33-year-old Southpaw healthy for the entire season. In 38 innings of work, Keiko has a 3.79 ERA, but only 17 strikeouts to 14 walks allowed. Opposing teams have 32 hits off Keuchel this season, with the season high being 7 allowed against Texas, but the White Sox won that game 2-1 on April 24th. The Minnesota Twins have a team 108 weighted runs created plus, meaning that they're 8% better than league average when facing a left-handed pitcher, and they have a team 740 OPS against left-handed pitchers this season. So Keiko will have to work up some more sinker magic to help out his offense and making sure that the White Sox stay in the game. Speaking of the White Sox offense, they lead the majors with a 137 weighted runs created plus. They are 37% better than league average against lefties and have a team OPS of 835 against left-handed pitching in 2021. They'll face Jay Happ, who's off to a good start in 2021. This will be his sixth start of the season, and Happ is carrying a 1.91 ERA. He doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, as he hasn't punched out more than four batters in any of his starts. But Hap also hasn't allowed more than four hits or two runs in any of his starts either. One would think that both offenses would feast off these veterans, or the crafty veterans will drive both fan bases crazy, generating a bunch of weak contact. It'll be an interesting game to watch for sure, as temperature forecast is 54 degrees at first pitch and will cool down to 47 degrees towards the game's end. First pitch is at 7.10 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that game on NBC Sports Chicago or listen to the game on ESPN 1000 AM. 
Around minor league baseball, down in Charlotte, Jake Berger hit his second home run of the season, and Blake Rutherford had two doubles on his way to a three-hit night as the Charlotte Knights won 6-4 over Norfolk. Gavin Sheets was 2-4, for four and Sebi Zavala went 2-3, for three as both continued to hit well over 300 starting this season. Starting pitcher Jonathan Stever went 4 innings pitched, 5 hits allowed, 2 earned runs, 2 walks, and just 1 strikeout. Bouncing over to Birmingham, Mike Rodolfo hit an impressive home run off Miami Marlins' 2020 first-rounder, Max Meyer. And the Barons, as a team, just keep on racking hits. They had 11 hits on the night to a 6-1 win over Pensacola. Starting pitcher Blake Battenfield pitched well in the win, going five innings pitched, four hits allowed, one run allowed, zero walks, and nine strikeouts. The Birmingham Barons, when we looked at this roster, we thought this might be the weakest team the White Sox have in their minor league affiliates. Well, they are 6-1 and one to start 2021. Winston-Salem, uh, Alex Sestino, and Lennon Sosa hit critical home runs in the seventh inning as the Dash scored four runs in the seventh on their way to a 7-6 win over Hickory. Taylor Varnell might be worth keeping an eye on. He only pitched three innings, but he only allowed one hit, zero runs, zero walks, and struck out six. Meanwhile, we thought Kannapolis had the most interesting roster for the Chicago White Sox affiliates, and the Cannonballers are off to a really rough start as they continue to be winless in 2021 as they drop to 0-7 and seven on the season. Jared Kelly made his second start of the season, and he went two and two-thirds innings, allowing two hits, three runs. One of those three runs was earned four walks, and five strikeouts. He just needs to work on his command a little bit. But again, we're talking about a teenager in low A ball. DJ Gladney had two throwing errors. Benjamin Bailey is hitting .095 to start 2021. But Jose Rodriguez has been a bright spot. He went two for five last night, and he's hitting 406. And if you listen to the podcast that we had with Jim Callis this past weekend, he is one of the more interesting prospects the White Sox have. And if he continues to play at this type of level, he may get himself inserted into the White Sox top 10 prospects. ESPN's Jack Passan is reporting that if the Oakland Athletics do not get city approval for the proposed Howard Terminal project, that owner John Fisher may have to explore relocation possibilities for the ball club. This isn't the first time to be suggested for Oakland to be moving, but the ball club is running out of options for a new stadium. Currently, the Athletics own half of the Coliseum, and the city of Oakland owns the other half. What's being proposed is a $12 billion project, with a big B, to build not just a 35,000-person stadium, but condos and apartments that would house 3,000 people, a new 400-person hotel, a new concert venue seating 3,500 people, and additional commercial space. It's a massive project with a massive price tag coming after a pandemic. The outlook is bleak that the city would approve such a project, hence why relocation is being threatened again. But local writers are turning up the burners on A's owner John Fisher. Even the Athletics 
managing editor for the Bay Area, Tim Kawakami, has suggested that Fisher should sell the team, and he could. There's a rumored list of interested prospective buyers in Silicon Valley, and some will want to keep the A's in Oakland. There's even the idea that maybe the city and the Oakland Athletics figure out how to tear down the old Golden State Warriors arena, build a new baseball stadium on the current site, and then eventually tear down the Oakland Coliseum uh, to make for more parking or if they wanted to have other commercial options, they could do so next to a new stadium where the current site is. It's by a train stop, the the BART. Uh, It's located right next to the freeway. Uh, It is pretty easy to access the Oakland Coliseum, much like it's easy to access Guaranteed Rate Field in the south side of Chicago. Um, But both Major League Baseball and Oakland A's ownership, they don't want to go that route. They don't feel like the Oakland Coliseum uh, is a good venue as far as location for a new stadium. And this is why they're really pushing the Howard Terminal because it's just not about building a new brand, a, a new baseball stadium for the Oakland Athletics. They want to have what the Boston Red Sox have and what the the Ricketts family has built on the north side of Chicago next to Wrigley Field. And if you've been there, you can see, you know, the facelift that has happened in Wrigleyville over the years with the Ricketts family making all of these improvements. It's just not the baseball stadium. It is other business opportunities for these baseball owners to take advantage of it. And the Oakland Athletic Ownership Group doesn't believe they can achieve that uh, where they currently are or where they sit right now with the Oakland Coliseum. They need an entire different location. But outside of the prospective buyers uh, from Silicon Valley who might be interested and want to keep Oakland, the A's in Oakland, there are, there will be prospective buyers outside of Silicon Valley that will be interested and may want to relocate the A's to Las Vegas. Feels like for a decade, we've been wondering how much longer the A's will stay in Oakland. If the Howard Terminal project is approved, the Athletics front office admitted to the media on Tuesday it would take six to seven years before a new stadium is built on the Howard Terminal site. So we may not get a resolution anytime soon, but it is something to monitor if the A's continue to make this threat, if the threat is actually real or it's another empty threat. Scores around Major League Baseball, Detroit was up 7 to nothing entering the 8th inning, but the Kansas City Royals tied the game in the 9th inning as the Detroit bullpen blew that 7-run lead when it seemed the meltdown would be completed. The Tigers hitters had other thoughts as Robbie Grossman delivered the walk-off hit as Detroit still won the game 8-7. to The Royals have now lost 9 straight games. Cleveland beat the Cubs 3-2 as Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez both hit home runs. As Shane Bieber again was Shane Bieber, Cleveland remains a game behind the White Sox for first place. San Francisco Giants beat the Texas Rangers 4-2 and now the Giants are 22-14 to start the 2021 season. And the San Diego Padres beat the Colorado Rockies 8-1 to try to keep pace with the first place San Francisco Giants. But there is a significant concern of a COVID outbreak within the San Diego Padres clubhouse. Fernando Tatis Jr. has already tested positive before the game, and he is separate away from the team. Will Myers has tested positive and was pulled during the game. Uh, Eric Hosmer 
has been uh, pulled from the game as well last night through contact tracing. So there's going to be more San Diego Padres players that are going to end up on this COVID list. And we'll see on how it impacts as far as the roster. But it is something to monitor as the Padres have had terrible luck so far dealing both with injuries and now with COVID. The Philadelphia Phillies beat the Washington Nationals 6-2. The Pittsburgh Pirates beat the Cincinnati Reds 7-2. St. Louis scored five runs in the 11th inning as they won a big National League Central contest 6-1 over the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cardinals are tied with the San Francisco Giants with a 22-14 record. That's the best in the Major League Baseball because the Oakland Athletics beat the Boston Red Sox 3-2. Both of those teams are 22-15 to start the season. The New York Mets walked off the Baltimore Orioles 3-2. The New York Yankees are heating up as they are now 19-16 on the season after finding a way to beat their nemesis, the Tampa Bay Rays, 3-1. And the Toronto Blue Jays fend off the Atlanta Braves 5-3. That will do it for this White Sox wake-up call. Subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. You can follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. As we have been utilizing the new feature on Twitter, Twitter Spaces, that allows us to pretty much create a conference call like environment on Twitter where we bring in other White Sox uh, Twitter personalities, our friends from the 108, for example, Jim and I will hop on and we'll just quickly chat about the news. It's, It's a great way to address things that happen or even host impromptu pregame shows before the White Sox play. So if you enjoy listening to us, follow us on Twitter as well as we'll have more Twitter spaces during the season. If you do enjoy our work and want to support us, visit patreon.com slash machine as we have several different tiers of support starting at just $2 a month for exclusive content, ad-free podcasts, and an ad-free website and first crack at our new swag items. Have a great Wednesday morning, everyone, and hopefully we get to talk about another White Sox winner. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash Keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.